All right, well, good morning. Put this right here. Grab this chair. Today we're going to do something different, and I hope that it's not considered horrible. <laughs> uh, the teens have already heard this when I went at a teen night. Um, and I asked Rick if he thought that, you know, it was indeed a good idea or whatnot, and he said, yep, go for it. So this is Rick's fault if it's something that's not, you know, whatever. So uh, it's going to be an easier day than last Sunday because today I'm given kind of a testimony. Uh, my testimony... It's a story. Last year, I think Jim uh, came up. He gave an awesome story about going to Colorado, I think. Wyoming. Yeah, Montana. And uh, I've been kind of wanting to share this for a while. And so uh, today is, is the day. So uh, about amazing few days in my life uh, in 2008. And with my right hand lifted before the Lord... As I did with the teens, I tell you that what follows is an absolutely true story. Uh, I think it's an amazing story. Uh, you may not. Uh, I would think it's only because my retelling of it does not do it justice because it happened such a long time ago. Um, and I can't really describe what God was doing. But before I tell my story, though, there's some background stuff I have to get to. Number one, I am not normally a fantastical kind of person, right? Um, I am not, I am not, um, uh, in the world of Harry Potter, I would be called a muggle, I guess. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't see Mary in my oatmeal or my toast. Uh, I don't see Jesus-shaped clouds, um, I don't see angels in the outfield. I don't see crosses in windows or in, you know, wood or, I mean, I see that one obviously there and I see that one, you know, because it's ginormous. But, uh, you know, some people, you, you know, they, they look in a window and they see the cross from the, wood, you know, from the panes in there like, oh, look, it's, G well, okay, to me, it's just a window. Um, so I, I don't see, not, you know, I, I was raised Southern Baptist. I'm not bashing on them or anything. I just, I was. And so, you know, and, and I preach that. It's my, and, and uh, so I don't, I don't automatically jump to everything is a super spiritual connection and whatnot. And so that's kind of a, a background. Uh, however, this is my story. And again, what you're hearing is all did actually happen, but I leave it up to you to do with as you wish. You may want to dismiss it as coincidence. You may want to say it's just dumb luck, or you may just want to say it's just plain crazy talk and I've lost my mind. Whatever. This is up. You can do whatever you want. Here it is. And so I got some pictures that we'll get to so you can kind of see, but not yet. In the spring of 2008, I was living in Joshua Tree, California. Okay. <laughs> Pick number one. This is the view from our front door of our house. And so these are all old photos um, in 2007, 8, 9, and 6, and all that. Anyway, and so as you can see, it's desert, all right? 
There's nothing there. There's nothing pretty. It's brown with a whole bunch of creosote bushes and some choya cactus and other things all mixed in there. Um, and there's no real trees. You can see forever. That little hill in the middle there is actually four or something miles away. Um, it's really good for dirt biking, though. I mean, I tell you what, because uh, I could just go out my front. My garage is over here to the right, and I could just go, go that way. I could just go that way. I don't have to look for a trail. You just go because there's nothing out there. Uh, and so, uh, but they, uh, no, you know, no planted trees, uh, or if there is any trees, it's been planted by, by people. Um, I had planted 180 ministries in 2007, so this, when, this story is about one year after uh, we started, after our, our, right after our first anniversary. I was a bivocational pastor. I was working um, in, in the ministry that we had planted, Melissa and I, 180 Ministries, and um, I was also working for Southern California Gas Company as a meter reader. And so my job was to walk around and look at the gas meters on everybody's houses and try to guess the amount that you used so that you would get billed something. Uh, and so my job was basically getting chased by every dog every single day. Um, and I mean, I mean, dead serious. I got attacked by a pit bull, which is why I have PTSD about pit bulls and whatnot. It, it came, it was up here in the air when the Lord told me to turn around. I had just enough time to stick my arm up because it was coming at my neck. Um, I saw a lot of death between fights of dogs and stuff trying to eat me um, and all kinds of things. So it was pretty horrible. We, had, we were going through the birth pains of growing a church. I was getting chased by dogs every single day. And Southern California Gas thought, well, the best thing for you is to have a wessel uh, or maybe a stick so that you can beat it. And blow a whistle, woo, 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 right? When I got attacked by the pit bull, all that did was finally get the owner to come out, start freaking out because he saw that I'm bleeding and I got attacked and offer me a beer. So, you know, which I did not take because I was on the job, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was like, hey, <laughs> anyway. By this time, the point of all that is because by this time, I felt a need to get away. Now, we're already away in the desert, but I felt a need to get away. I literally felt God calling me to get even further away because I was, it was a spiritual pull um, that I needed to get away from everything. I needed to get away to a really, really, really quiet, remote place away from it all. So this is the town of Joshua Tree. We lived a couple miles outside of Joshua Tree National Park. And here's pick two. This is a map of Joshua Tree National Park. We lived over here on the left side. The entire park there is 1,235 square miles. And this is important because it relates to the story of how coincidental this would have been. But anyway, 1,235 square miles, which is uh, bigger than Jefferson County and St. Francis County combined, or Jefferson County and Franklin County combined, um, and so in essence, you could fit everything from Arnold all the way down to Farmington inside Joshua Tree National Park. Now, there's bigger parks, but the point is, this is a pretty big park, and it is, again, nothing but desert. Um, huge boulders, uh, you can go to pick number three, so huge giant boulders, there's Caleb in the red right there. Anyway, 
Uh, so think elephant rocks times a billion. All right, there are actually, uh, this is actually a very popular spot for people to come from around the world, a lot of Germans for some reason, um, but we always, we would hear and people would come from all around the world to go bouldering, you can go to the next pick, and so, um, so you can see there, there's huge, and you know, it's just, it's just giant, it's not just a little local spot, it's all throughout the park, go to the next one, and then you can cycle through to pick uh, number eight, but anyway, and so huge, huge rocks, Look at that. They would go bouldering up there. I mean, very beautiful stuff. Um, and then also it's full of cactus, obviously, because it's the desert. There's, there's one of our favorite spots there too. Um, yeah, that's the Choya Cactus Garden. They're also called the Teddy Bear Cactus, okay, because they look fuzzy, but they will kill you. Um, <laughs> they're, they're horrible, horrible. Uh, and uh, the Prickly Pear Cactus, I think the next one. Yeah, in the springtime, it would bloom, very pretty, uh, nothing but cactus. Uh, Weird-looking trees called Joshua trees, the next one. So you can see that right there is called a Joshua tree. It's not a cactus, but trees. You can see them down. It's where Joshua tree got his name. Um, weird people. That's Melissa when she was still healthy and able to walk and climb and stuff, and then Ethan and Caleb. Um, and sand and rocks and dirt and lots of it. Okay, you can black that out now. Basically, a whole lot of land away from anything at all. And I felt the need to go out in that park as far away as I possibly could from all people and all technology or any ability for people or technology to find me. <laughs> Quite literally, I told Melissa when I was planning all this that I wanted to go so far out from any road that in any direction for 10 miles or 8 to 10 miles, there was no blacktop road. And that's hard to do around here because there's just roads all over the place. I, wanted, I told her I wanted to go so far that if I got bit by a Mojave Viper or a Sidewinder or a, a Western Rattlesnake or a Red, I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of scorpions and, you know, tarantulas or the occasional desert tortoise come up and just try to eat me, that I would be in some serious trouble because they would not be able to easily find me. That's how far I wanted to get away. I just felt the need. Anyone ever feel the need for that, Steve? Yes. You just, you just want to get away. And you want to get to a way where you don't get to, you don't even hear traffic, which is difficult to do. So I planned three days. I planned one full day to hike out, one full day there, and then one full day to hike back. And I went to the ranger station, I got myself a topography map, and I got myself a backcountry board pass. And what that is, it's a little piece of paper that you put in your window, and you go and you park at these things called backcountry boards, and all, all it is on the piece of paper is your name, um, the date that you're, that you're left, the date that you're planning on coming back, and the general direction, northeast, north, south, whatever. Uh, and that is for literally when they would drive by and they would see your vehicle, they'd come up and they would look at the tag, and if you had not come back yet and it was ex the date was passed, they had a general direction to send the rescue team to find a body. I mean, that's quite literally what it was. And so, and, th and that's what I did. And so I, I, I put that up and I... I I got that stuff. I had my desert camis from the Marine Corps. I had my molly pack. I had a walking staff, toiletries, survival gear, map, food, canteens, Bible, and a journal. 
And the only electronic item that I did take was a one inch by one inch black and white GPS little square that could only tell me where I am currently at and a little dotted line of where I've been for the past, you know, 30 minutes or something. And you could like preset stuff, but it was just a little bitty thing like this. It wasn't like a phone, didn't take phone, didn't take CD player, an MP3 player, nothing. So the day comes, I park at the proper backcountry board, I put my tag in the window, and I head out. And I had no idea what God wanted me to do. I had no idea what God wanted me to read in the Bible. I had no idea what I was, I had no idea what I was doing out there. All I knew is that I felt a pull to go. And so I'm going. And, 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 you know, about two hours in, I stop for a water break, and I have this, there's a little low boulder, and I climb up on that little low boulder, and I sit down, and, and I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? And I'm sitting there, and I'm having my water, and I decide, well, I guess I'll start in the most logical place in the Bible, and that's the beginning. So I open up Genesis, and I start reading the Bible for a little bit. About 10 minutes later, I close the Bible, and I say, you know, and I think to myself, that's not it. That's, 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 not, that's not where I'm at right now. It's not what I'm, I need to be doing. So I pack everything up, I get back on, and I'm walking. And I'm walking, and I'm looking down, and I'm, I'm, I talk to myself out loud a lot, okay? I mean, it's just who I am. I answer myself, too, sometimes. I get into arguments with myself a lot. Um, I talk to God out loud. I don't like praying silently. I pray out loud, um, you know, I'm thankful for Bluetooth and stuff like that because now people in other cars, they just think you're talking on the phone. Uh, <laughs> and so, but uh, anyway, and so, but I talk out loud a lot. So I'm talking out loud to God and I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know why I'm here. You know, what's going on? I'm looking down, watching my step and the rocks and whatnot. And I'm just kind of walking and I'm asking God this and I look up and directly in front of me, okay, and when I say directly in front of me, you got to understand, I'm not talking about over here, I'm not talking about over here, or over here, over here, I'm talking about directly in front of my path, okay? I'm walking, I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? And directly in front of my path, I see this little shimmer, this glimmer in a creosote bush, and it's just kind of glimmering, and I'm thinking, burning bush, and you know, Moses, yes, right? And all this, but anyway, so, and I walk up, and, and I, I look into the bush, and I pull out, and I pull out a mylar balloon. Not a big deal. I didn't think anything. Again, I'm not a fantastical person. It's just like, okay, whatever. There's some trash out in the middle of the desert. So I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to go pick it up. And it was just interesting because I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? Well, I don't know why I'm here. And at the same time, directly in front of me is a balloon that says, have a great day. And so I thought to myself, huh, that's weird, but okay. So I fold it up, and I decide I'm going to keep this because you know what? I am going to have a great day. It's just a balloon. I am not thinking anything at this point. I'm not sitting there thinking that something's magical or anything like that. I just think, well, that's interesting. I'm asking God what he wants me to do, and, 
And the balloon says, have a great day. So I'm going to have a great day. So I, my attitude changes, and I start praising the Lord, and I'm just, I'm just having a great day. Man, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody around because you can see for miles, so I know that nobody's around. Uh, and I'm just chilling out, and I'm walking, and I'm having a great time. And, and I'm praising the Lord, and I get up, and I go another couple hours, and it's time to stop for lunch break. And I get up there, and I find this little spot on a ridge on a finger. Uh, of, a, of a hill, and, and I find this nice spot, and so I sit down. I'm going to take myself a good half hour, right? I'm going to relax. I'm going I'm to kick my boots off, let my, let my feet dry out a little bit and air out, and, and, uh, and just, you know, take care of myself and have a good time. So I'm sitting there, and I have my lunch, and, you know, I was praising God after the, after the Have a Great Day balloon, and I'm praising God, and, and I'm just enjoying my day, and I'm enjoying my time, and I sat down for lunch, and I'm praying, and I'm thanking God for the lunch, and I'm thanking God for this opportunity, and I start praising the Lord for what he's done with 180 and how he started all this and everything. And you know how you have a train, right, your train of thought, and your train is going down this track, and, and it just kind of starts getting derailed, and I'm sitting there thinking about, man, Lord, thank you so much. This is awesome. I mean, goodness, you know, and, and praise the Lord. And I'm out here and I'm enjoying and, and you started 180 and it's going great. And yeah, we got some issues, but still it's going okay. And, you know, I'm so glad you started that. And I mean, you know, you started it because of this other place that was pretty awful and bad. And, and then, you know, those people were dumb and and they're stupid, and oh my gosh, God, I hate them people, and they're so ignorant, I can't believe I had to go through that. They tried to split Melissa and I, they tried to ruin us, they tried, I can't believe, what is going on with people? You know, what's going on with people at 180? Why ain't they helping out as much as I need them to? Why am I so important uh, 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 to you, God, and I'm sitting here carrying the weight of 180 on my shoulders while these other people are just coming in and enjoying themselves and, 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 and making out in the front row, and which is true story and all this other stuff, you know, and why is all this stuff happening? And you know what, God, I'm just not, I don't think I want to do this. And I'm just all mad about everything. Isn't it amazing how quickly we go from praising the Lord to anger? Last week, you know, I preached a hard message last week on forgiveness. And I was listening to Joy FM. And I haven't listened to Joy FM for a long time because I kind of get annoyed with Joy FM because they have a very short playlist and it's just the same songs over and over. And so I kind of like, you know what, forget you, I ain't listening. And so I wasn't really listening to Joy FM, but I started, you know, I start, you know what, I'm going to start listening again. Caleb said something about listening to, to more worship songs, you know. I was like, oh, whatever, kid. Uh, so, you know, convicted me. So I'm starting to listen to some more praise songs and I'm driving down the road. I'm coming down 21. And I'm praising the Lord because a song came on that we sing here. It's one of my faves. And I'm driving down the road, and this, this Cadillac Escalade comes up behind me, right? And comes up, and is on me. And, and I'm going, oh, Lord. Okay, just praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's okay, it's okay. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> and then a fire truck pulls up behind him with the lights on. So I pull over because that's what you're supposed to do. And this Escalade decided that was a good time to be able to get in front of me. So it whips around, not getting over for the fire truck, but gets, whips around to get in front of me and just keeps on going. And I went from praise the Lord to, you stupid Lord! I'm screaming, I'm beating my window. Just, I lost my mind. It's crazy how psychotic I can be. 
So anyway, I'm out there and I was enjoying the day and I was enjoying the Lord and I'm eating my lunch and I start, my train gets derailed and I start focusing on all of the problems at church and what they do wrong and how they don't care about God as much as I do. And then I pack up and I put my pack on and I get my walking stick and I head back out after my break. And I'm out there and I'm walking and I'm still focusing on what people are and how, how people aren't as good as me, basically. And directly in front of me, not over here, not over here, not over here, not over here, directly in my stinking path, there's another shimmer. So I think, man, what is up? So I go over and I go to the creosote bush or whatever it was stuck in, cactus or whatever. And this one is not as, as clear and it's broken. But there's another Mylar balloon, and it was, it was ripped, and now it's ripped even more. But it said, at the time, it said, look who's, and there was a T. Now, it probably was look who's two, but it just had a T. And so I, I picked this balloon up, and I immediately thought, look who's talking, right? I'm sitting here on this grand day enjoying the Lord and then I go crazy with anger and rage and I start talking about why isn't anybody else doing as much as me and the Lord stops me in my track and says look who's talking guy how many times have you not done what you should have done how many times did you let that opportunity pass how many times? How long did it take for you to finally surrender to the ministry? Years. Did not want to. It's the last thing I wanted to do. How many times did you do this? And how many times do you struggle? How many times did you spend with me this week? Well, I'm busy. There's stuff to do. I got stupid stuff at work happening and I got to go in and I got to do this stuff. Well, what do you want me to do, God? I'd have to get up at four in the morning. Okay. <sighs> Trick. I don't want to get up at four in the morning. So I get that balloon I'm still not believing anything. I'm still, it's a coincidence. It's weird. I have never ever in my life ran into two balloons directly in my path in a 1,235 square mile park. But hey, whatever. This ain't anything. It's a balloon. I'm gonna stick it in my pocket because it's neat, but what? So I continue on and I, I, I hike out about four more hours, about eight hours total away from my truck out about where there was nothing. And I'm looking at my topo map because I had picked a spot that was going to be on a finger. It was going to be on this really nice open area um, that I could climb up. And so I get there and, and I, I cross this, this wash area down below. And, and I felt the pull to camp there. But I don't want to camp there because if you know anything about desert survival, you don't camp in a wash right? Because, I mean, if a rainfall happens 20,000 miles away, it comes down the wash, and it washes you away, which is why it's called a wash. And so I didn't want to go there, but I felt the Lord was saying, this is where I want you. I'm like, no, this goes against my Marine Corps training, and you don't do that. 
And so I, I, I didn't, and, and, and I wanted to be up here, man. I wanted to be up on this, on, this, on this rise, and I would go up there, and I would be able to not only be out of the wash, but I'd be able to have a vantage point so that if that desert tortoise tried to slowly come and eat me, I'd be able to stop it, right? Or the coyote or the desert bighorn sheep or whatever is out there, right? And so I wanted to be up here so that I could see things, and I, I'm not lying about any of it. And so I pass the wash, I'm not going down. And so I climb up and I get up on this nice little flat area. It was nice and wide, had plenty of space. And, and I, I put my pack down. And, and, and when my pack hits the ground, or shortly thereafter, when I take off my boots to let my feet air out and put my flip flops on, a wind picks up. And it wasn't a tornado wind, it wasn't blowing rocks, but it was enough wind that it blew my tent away. It blew my topo map away, and now I'm running down a rocky hill in flip-flops trying to save my one map, and, and my, my tent is blown. I can't get my tent set up. You know, I can't, get, I can't get nothing set up, and my pack's blown, and everything's blowing away, and I go, from, I go from, from wondering what God wanted me to do to having a great day to praising the Lord to reminding myself of the past and getting all angry and mad and revengeful and everything else to getting corrected about that, repenting of that, asking forgiveness, moving on, getting happy again, praising the Lord, talking out loud to the Lord. I'm not a loud person except when I'm preaching. All right, I'm a quiet, introverted person. I don't like making noise. I don't like calling attention. I just do my job. Right? My favorite line from my platoon sergeant that I used when I was a platoon sergeant was, shut your mouth and know your role. End of story. Right? You keep quiet and you do your job. How easy is that? That's who I am. Just I'll do my job. Let my job speak for me. And I'm quiet, and it's hard for me to praise. You got Steve back here going, every time the praise music's going, right? And he's just having a grand old time, and Jesus, and screaming and shouting and having a great time, and I'm trying to get there. So I'm getting there, and you know, being behind Steve, I can use him as an excuse. And so, uh, and, and, and I'm getting there, right? It's good. It's good. It's a good thing, bro. It's good. You got Linda up here, man, she's praising the Lord. And you got others praising the Lord. For me, it's difficult. It's more difficult to get there. I'm going, if you've ever seen Tim Hawkins' you know, video, I, I, I like to carry the TV, right? That's about it. I can't get up here. I start getting up here, I'm like, oh, oh, you know. <laughs> and so, so I'm not able to praise God. But when I get mad, I get loud. When I get angry, I get loud. So now, you know, and so I was loud. But when I wanted to scream out, I love Jesus. It's so hard for me to do, even when there was no one within a 10-mile radius of me. But I get up on this hillside, the wind picks up out of the blue, blows all my stuff all over the place, almost sprained my ankle trying to get my topo map, and I am literally screaming at the top of my lungs, cursing the wind. I'm screaming at the wind. I'm, tall, I'm telling the wind, I'm going to kill it. I hate you, wind. <laughs> I put my stuff back in my pack. I kick it down the mountain. I throw my tent. I throw everything back down into the wash. I get down into the wash. I, I, find, I find an upper level of it, so I'm not directly in, but I'm close enough that it wasn't comfortable, and the wind stops. 
And it's not because I was down low in a wash. Because I would go back out and the wind, the wind hadn't blown all day. I'm dead serious. It was just quiet. I tried to, I tried to camp up here where I thought it was a safe spot and the wind picks up. Now you do with that what you wish, but man, I tried to do something. The wind blew. I couldn't get anything started. I go back down to where I didn't want to be. The wind stops everywhere. So I put my tent up. I'm all mad. Put my tent up, pop it up. I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm finally here. And I crawl in and I start journaling. And I start embellishing on my journal because I'm a storyteller. And a storyteller's, you know, uh, I always find that a storyteller's kind of uh, bend is to exaggerate because you want to make the story even better. So I'm writing in my journal and I'm embellishing what is already a pretty amazing day. And a bee flies in my tent and it will not leave me alone. And I try to get the bee out and I'm shushing it out and all this other stuff. It will not leave me alone. It's hovering right around me. I I go, fine. And I, I repent of that. I take my eraser and I erase the words that I had embellished. And I'm not kidding you, the bee flies out of the tent. So I'm laying there, and then I take a little break, a couple minutes, you know, and I'm journaling for a couple minutes, and then I decide that I got to go get some water, because water's heavy. If you ever go hiking, water's heavy, and you don't want to carry water, three days of water on your person, because it's just a lot of weight. So I had found an old abandoned mine road that was not really a road anymore, but it was still there, sort of. And so I took my truck because it was very illegal, very illegal to go off-roading in Joshua Tree. But I take my truck on that road anyway because, I mean, you know, I got to put water out there. So I get close. I get about three miles away from where I had planned on camping. And I go and I bury my Rubbermaid cooler, you know, like they dump on the football, on the coaches. My Rubbermaid, I buried that in the sand and I put, you know, a, a recognizable rock to me or whatever it was. So that way, when I got there, I crushed up a water, a gallon, gallon jug, crushed up my pack. So that way, when I got there and I didn't have to carry all the weight, you go and you get your water and you bring it back. So I'm going out and I'm getting water um, and, and I'm getting out there and I'm carrying, you know, and I'm, I'm getting ready to get water and, and, and I'm talking to the Lord about everything that's happened. And this one isn't a super huge deal either, but to me, it was at the time and, uh, <laughs> I'm talking to God about how I couldn't get the stupid tent up, right, where I wanted it, and all this other stuff, and directly in front of me again, right? Now, this is the third one, okay? Directly in front of me for the third time is another stinking Mylar balloon, and all it says is congrats. Now, it may not mean anything, but to me at the time, it was funny because I thought that the Lord, I was saying, I finally got my tent up and the Lord was going, congrats, you can put up a tent. You know, good on you, mate, right? Uh, and so I picked it up and I laughed and I, it changed my mood again. It's like I'm manic or something, but, and, uh, and so I start enjoying my time with the Lord again. I go out, get my water, come back, stay the night. I don't know if you've ever been in a place, I was so far out from any kind of human activity that it was hard to sleep because I could hear my blood flow. 
Um, there are no bugs because it's a desert. So there's no bugs, no crickets, no tree frogs, nothing. Just dead, dead quiet. And I'm laying there in the still of the night, just dead quiet. No jets, no cars, no trucks, no people, no bugs, no animals. There were no coyotes or any yelping or anything. The next day, I wake up and I get up and I get my stuff and I get my Bible and my journal and I climb a mountain, the one that I was going to initially camp on. And I, but I go all the way to the top and I spend the whole day up there just reading through the entire New Testament, or most of the New Testament. I read through the epistles of Paul, um, read through uh, uh, John's, and I just read, I read most of the New Testament. And I'm journaling, and I'm getting, I'm getting things. The Lord is like speaking through his word. Amazing, right? And I'm, I'm getting these like deep things and I'm getting a vision for 180 for the following year. I'm getting, you know, what he wants me to do and I'm getting all these things and I'm spending time with the Lord and near the end of it, I finish up and I close and I close my journal and I just feel just spent. I'm done. Man, this was awesome. Thank you, Lord. And I come down off the mountain and I go in and I, I check reflection in whatever thing I had to see if my face was glowing and if you know, you know. And I contemplate whether or not to go back that night. I could have went back. I could have made it back to the truck about midnight. Full moon was out, but also scorpions and, and snakes and everything else. So I didn't. Stayed the night. So I have to go back to the water cache, and I have to get one last night and my hike back tomorrow's day's worth of water. So I'm walking out, and I'm following my path that I made the day before, and I get to my water put the water. Now, by this time, I have to be honest, I'm looking for anything. I'm looking for balloons. I'm looking for letters. I'm looking for skywriting. I'm looking. I'm like a believer now. I'm like, Lord, talk to me. Send me something. I don't care what it is. Nothing's going on. And I go and I get my water and I start walking back and I start thinking about how I felt that I got what the Lord wanted me to get. And that it was time to go back home. And I'm thanking God for the experience, this amazing thing that I have never witnessed before, something like this. And I'm thanking God for that experience. And I literally say, I'm not looking for any other balloons. I'm not looking for, because that's, you know, like throwing the fleece out there to Gideon just kept doing, kept doing, well, flipping it and out, you know, make it wet and round and dry and out, make it dry around and wet, you know, all this stuff. I'm not going to test you, Lord. You know, this was crazy, but I thank you for it. And I miss my path. And I go down about 100 yards. And I notice, oh, I miss my path, but it's the desert. You don't have to backtrack. You just cut across country. So I'm cutting across country and directly in front of me, not to the right, to the left, not a little bit, but right smack in front of me. And I'm, when I say that, I'm serious. I mean, I'm running over it. Is another balloon, and this was the last one, and it was at the time that I am thanking God that I don't need another balloon or I'm not looking for anything like that. And this one was gold and it had no words. And to me, at the time, I just started breaking down. I just broke down. Because it was awesome and it was like God took the time in his mercy and his grace to literally tell me, 
I got nothing else right now anyway. But, you know, I accomplished what the, what the Lord had set out to accomplish. I go back, spend the night, wake up the next morning, hike out, go home. What's a story without application? Number one, if you're thinking about this, remember, write it down, whatever. Number one, God desires to communicate with us. God desires to talk to you. That's why he's miraculously preserved his word through all of this time. He wants us to know about him. He wants us to know about his will for our lives. He wants us, he wants, he desires to communicate. He desires to speak for, to us and for us to take the time to listen. To his word. Psalm chapter 85, verse 8a. This is all in the NLT. I listen carefully to what the God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. Isaiah 55, 11, It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's word does not return void. It will accomplish. We may not see the accomplishment. And so thus we will think, well, what did it accomplish? I preached the word to this person they rejected. It accomplishes what God wants it to accomplish, period. And it will prosper everywhere he sends it. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, here we're talking about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. It's a weird NLT version of that, but whatever. Uh, uh, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into the truth. Hebrews three fifteen. remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. God desires to communicate with us. But a lot of times we are hardening our hearts. We are turning away. We don't want to hear what God is saying. So we have a multitude of things that we can do. One, we can justify why we're doing something that his word says not to do. Or why we don't do something that his word says to do. We can sear our conscience, which is what's happening with a lot of, uh, of the emergent church. I talked about that last week, and Rob Bell and other people like that who were at one time good, faithful doctrine of Scripture, and then has split away from that. I've heard story, I've read stories about, about former praise and worship leaders and songwriters that we would sing to that has now strayed away and it's because they have a reason. There's a relationship they want to be in that they can't if they follow scripture. So now they justify and change definitions and change words and change these things so that they can be 
in their minds, biblically justified to go ahead and do this. And it gets crazy, but the point is God desires to communicate with us. Now, before you start looking for your own balloons or scraps of paper or some trash on the side of the road, realize that God usually speaks through his written word that we call the Bible. Amen? We don't need balloons or postcards or even those awesomely expensive Christian books in the awesomely expensive Christian bookstore to hear what God wants for our lives. Imagine what the Christians did before Lifeway. Imagine what Christians did before Christian self-help section in the Christian bookstore. Who did they turn to? Scripture. And Scripture alone. The answers that we need are in Scripture. The principles, they may not, Scripture doesn't talk about TikTok or social media, but it gives us principles for today. None of those balloons gave me any information concerning God himself. They didn't have any verses. They didn't give me any advice on how to live my life according to God's will outside of those three days. It was neat. I think it was a God thing because he was directing my thoughts back to him. And for some reason, used mylar balloons, but whatever. The Sunday after all this happened, I went and I preached to 180 ministries. I preached to the church that, that the Lord had us start, and, and I'm telling them about all this awesome stuff, and I tell them this exact thing, don't go out looking for trash. And the very next week, this old woman, God bless her soul, came back to me and told me how the Lord had spoken to her through a Burger King flyer she found on the streets of Joshua Tree that said, have it your way. And I said, no, no, that is not correct. <laughs> Wrong. Stop it. Just stop it right now. <laughs> Burger King is not the Lord's. I wouldn't even have thought twice about finding trash or a random popped balloon in town. But when I run into four of them in a 1,235 square mile desert relating to whatever I was talking to God about at the moment, I mean, that's just something crazy. So don't go looking for a piece of trash. But, however, God does want to speak to you, and sometimes that's in a special way. God is sovereign. Amen? He can do what he wants. God is sovereign. He speaks to us mainly through his written word, but he can speak. I mean, he spoke to Moses through a burning bush. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through dreams, visions. And most importantly, himself when he came to earth. So God desires to communicate with us. Number two, last thing and we're done. You have to be quiet 99% of the time to hear God speak. And this is really hard today. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12. He's talking to Elijah. He tells him, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. This was not the wind in Joshua Tree, okay? It didn't tear rocks loose. It just blew my stuff around. But it was bad enough that it, you know, ticked me off and it blew my stuff around. 
But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And it goes on, and there's, there's God. Now, why did he do that with Elijah? I have no idea. Maybe it was like God said, because Elijah's running after or running away, and he's like, hey, Elijah, come out here. Blah! And then earthquake. Blah! And then fire. Blah! Hey, bro. I got your attention. What's up? Well, I was back there, man, and you know, and it's all this stuff happened, you know, and Elijah does what we do. The fact is, there was too much noise in my life at that time, and God wanted me to get away so that he could give me what I needed to be able to continue on. And now with the advent, this is all before social media and all this stuff, right when Facebook started and I didn't even have it. We have entirely too much noise in our lives. Just stop and think. We live in an absolutely nonstop society. Even when we are sleeping, our phones and our computers and our thermostats and our watches and our coffee makers and our refrigerators are communicating to one another and communicating to our overlords and they're updating and they're downloading the latest news, weather, information, and and behavior modification tools and everything else. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Come on now. And they're teaching us how we need to behave. They're teaching us what we need to believe. And they're teaching us what we need to do and how we need to act and what we need to buy and what we need to do and all this other stuff all the time. We got so many internet of things that are on the internet getting this and this and this and this and this. And all this stuff is talking to one another and everything else. And I mean, my gosh, we have 24-7, 365 at our fingertips. We're bombarded with information. And we have become too busy and too noisy to begin to really hear from God. So we get other people to do it for us. I do. Let's be honest. It's easier to come in here and listen to Rick chew up the word for me than to get in it myself. Because that takes time. You really want to hear God speak to you? Unplug and just listen. Don't come to God with a preconceived notion of what you think he needs from you or what he wants from you. Today, go out and eat your lunch. Enjoy your time. Go to Walmart and get dog food because you forgot dog food yesterday for the dog and Bruno's starving. Then go back home. And at some point, I'm challenging myself, as well as all of us, as well as all of us, at some point today, take a few moments to get away from the internet of things, the IOTs, and the communication and everything, and just stop. Well, what do you want me to do? I mean, I got to be doing something. I don't know. I don't know. Just shh. Try it. Go and say, God, I don't know what you want me to do. That's exactly what I did. No idea why God put me in the middle of the desert until after. So just take some time and get away from things. If you have an analog Bible, which is a paper Bible, 
like we used to have? Grab that so that you're not on this and get away and just say, God, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I feel like I should, so Lord, help me to get something. And you never know, he might just help you find something. You know what I'm saying? Matthew 6, 33, last verse. Seek the kingdom of God first or above all else. And don't forget this. We always talk about seek and live righteously. See, that's part of it. <laughs> seek the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you as well. And he will give you everything you need. Right? So I challenge you today to go home at some point today before stinking Monday hits. I was talking to Mitch. Man, I was praying the whole way in Monday. I lasted for about five minutes before I had to repent. But anyway, go home, spend some time today, unplugged, you and God, Tell him you don't know why you're doing it and you don't know what he wants and just see. You'll flip through. Maybe you'll find something. Maybe you'll read something. You have no idea why I read it, but you know what? You read the Bible and that's all that matters. Huh, right? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this time to be able to share my testimony, the story of craziness and, and balloons and weirdness, Lord, out in the middle of the desert. Um, Lord, I pray that someone got something. I know this is not a sermon we didn't dig into scripture, and you know that we like doing that here, which is good. It's a good thing. So many don't. And, you know, there's, there, and, and so I'm thankful that we do. I'm thankful that Rick preaches through scripture exegetically. Thankful that, that we get to walk through books and we get to follow, you know, who you are, God, uh, through your written word that you've given to us to be able to know you and your will. Um, but sometimes, you know, Lord, uh, uh, you allow us to be able to, to, to kind of give us testimony or a story or something. So I pray that, I pray this wasn't a complete waste. That is my fear, um, that someone got something. And so I pray that, Lord, for me, <laughs> me and my friends here, Lord, that we will spend some time with you. Don't know what. Don't know, don't know where in Scripture, don't, don't have a verse for you to, to concent, for us to concentrate on, whatever, Lord, just every one of us is different. So I pray that you will guide each and every one that goes to you tonight or some point today and unplugs, and I pray that you just guide us. Just give us a little something, Lord, wherever you need, whatever you want us to see for you to be able to get us through this day and we can, we can carry on through this week just a little stronger knowing that we have read your word. And so, Father, I pray for that. Forgive me for not spending enough time. I pray that we have a great and wonderful afternoon in your name. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy and for some crazy stories sometimes like this one, like the one that Jim told uh, last year. Um, and that I'm sure that we all have something like this somewhere. So I thank you for those times, Lord, those experiences that you give us. And we thank you. I pray we have a good afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.